Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. This is episode 36. This podcast is a member of the Charisma Podcast Network and the Edify Podcast Network. Hopefully you checked out last week's episode. I talked to Darren Gray. He's on the leadership team at Athletes in Action. And we're going to keep the sports theme going this week with my guest. But before we get there, I want to take a minute to remind you about my book, Everyday Discernment, The Importance of Spirit-Led Decision-Making. It's available on Amazon. You can find the link in the show notes, and it is the book that preceded this podcast by the same name, helping you grow in discernment, making decisions that honor God every day. You can also subscribe to my second podcast called Eyes on Jesus, which is exclusive to my Patreon supporters. So thank you very much if you are supporting me. And if you would like to hear a second podcast, which is more of me going in depth into specific topics, specific articles I've written, specific themes, where it's not a one-on-one interview, but it allows me the chance to kind of speak to you about topics. And if there's anything you'd like to see on that podcast or like me to cover, feel free to email me at discerningdadoutlook.com. And for today, I'm talking to Chad Hennings. He's a former Super Bowl champion, three-time Super Bowl champion with the Dallas Cowboys. And now he's focused on helping others grow in leadership and helping Christians grow in their walk with Christ. Here we go. Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. This show is about you and your walk with Jesus as we grow in discernment together so that we can make better daily decisions that honor God in all we do. We will align all things against the Bible and give you practical steps to run your Christian race to win. And now your host, the discerning dad, Tim Ferrara. Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. My guest today is Chad Hennings. He has flown 45 successful A-10 missions in the Air Force and is a nine-year veteran with the Dallas Cowboys and has three Super Bowl rings. Chad has taken the message of living a lifestyle of excellence to leaders and to businesses everywhere. Welcome to the show, Chad. Hey, good to be on with you, Tim. And thank you for your service. That's awesome. Yeah, that's the most important thing. So uh, just give everyone any more depth into your background, like how you got, you know, started into the Air Force and to the NFL. Like, what was your journey like? I grew up, I'm a farm boy from Iowa, grew up on a small family farm that had been in our family for you know, almost 130 plus years, uh, received a nomination to, after high school to attend the United States Air Force Academy. Went there, you know, played football, had some, you know, Pretty good success in the gridiron as well as in the classroom. I was a two-time academic All-American as well as a unanimous All-American my senior year. I was very fortunate to lead the nation in sacks. I won the Outland Trophy, and I was actually drafted before graduating from the academy by the Dallas Cowboys. But attending a service academy, I had a military commitment to serve, a minimum of a five-year commitment. But, you know, I, I, I went to the academy for one thing that was to, to serve my nation and the Air Force flying jets. So I increased my commitment time by going through pilot training. And after pilot training, I received the assignment to fly the A-10 Warthog. And my commitment was eight years after pilot training, additionally. So technically, playing in the NFL was never going to be an option for me because I would have been a 31, 32-year-old rookie in the NFL. You don't see too many of those guys running around these days or or back then. (laughs) But – I was flying missions out of England into the Western part of Europe in the Cold War scenario, flying missions of the A-10 being a close air support tank killer, armored, uh, uh, close close air support 
get low, get down, get dirty with a lot of the infantry guys on the ground. But when the Gulf War kicked off in 91, my squadron was the first A-10 squadron out of Europe to get tasked to go to Insulik, Turkey, to fly missions into northern Iraq to support the Kurds, who were Saddam Hussein when he got beat up down south along the Kuwaiti border, tried to quell all these insurrections that were going on all over Iraq. And the Kurds were worried that he was going to commit genocide against them like he did two years prior to this when he dropped mustard gas, chemical weapons on them. And all these Kurds fleed their villages and their cities and they went up in the mountains. And it was our role to basically provide a presence to protect them, as well as to uh, escort relief supplies that were being dropped to them. So that's what I did for 45 missions that you alluded to. But then after the first Gulf War, our armed forces did a reduction in force, which mm-hmm. they waived not only for me, but across the board for individuals, our pilot training commitments, and even a percentage or a couple of years off of our service academy commitments. So that allowed me the opportunity to go play for the Dallas Cowboys and I had no idea at, during this period, basically the Cowboys, Jerry Jones purchased them during my time away and they had no idea who I was and if, where I was coming from. So I ended up doing a workout for them and they liked what they saw. They asked when you can come play for us. I had no idea. Uh, after the workout, I went through with them, uh, submitted my separation paperwork. And within three weeks, I was out processed out of the Air Force getting ready to play for the Dallas Cowboys. And my claim to fame, Tim, is I flew my last mission in Northern Iraq in early part of 92. And I played in the Super Bowl the same year. So that's how past life happened. And that's kind of my story as to how I ultimately got to be a Dallas Cowboy. That's so cool. And you were, uh, so yeah, so three championships in the nineties, kind of the glory years for the Cowboys. What, how would you describe that to someone like me that has no clue, you know, other than seeing it on TV? How, how was it to live those years in, in the Cowboys winning so much? You know, it was, um, for me, I could compare it a lot to being in a fighter squadron, a lot of type A, uh, alpha male, <laughs> very uh, confident individuals that were very competent mentally as well as physically in their craft and highly competitive, but yet worked well as a team. And for me playing football in that environment, it was the same as me playing on the playground when I was a kid in elementary school or (laughs) junior high or high school, the guys were just bigger, faster, stronger, but you know, it was the same way in the locker room. When you get out X's and O's of playing the game, guys are a little more talented, their skill sets a little more advanced, but ultimately it's the same competition. So it, it was really cool. And and uh, I'm very fortunate that I was able to play for the Cowboys. And as to your point, you know, we won three of my first four years in the NFL. We won Super Bowl championships, which is, you know, I don't know if they'll ever do that again. Yeah, that's awesome. Tell us about your family and uh, how long you've been a Christian. You know, I, I grew up uh, as a Christian as for as long as I can remember. Um, grew up, was a Missouri Synod Lutheran and my family going to church all the time. I went through Sunday school confirmation classes. So I knew the Lord my whole life, attended church, you know, did all that. But for me, it was more of an aspect of going through the motions. It was more knowledge-based than relationship-based with the heart Mm. until I went through uh, a season of life when I was playing with the Cowboys with the health of my son, my, my only son, Chase, who was 
during our time, he was battling an autoimmune illness and literally did. It was the only point in my life, literally, where I couldn't control the outcome. And this is where I, my faith became real and tangible for me, where I talk about where I truly, where I owned my faith mm. to the point where it, uh, is God real? And if does he say what, he, if what he says is true, do I believe that? And that's where I came, where I truly grasped that. And I came to my faith in Christ. And that's where my true Christian faith, I will say, happened at that point in time. Awesome. And uh, how many kids do you have? I have two. I have a boy and a girl. Awesome. A 27-year-old and a 23-year-old. I'm an old man already. (laughs) Awesome. Cool. So uh, tell us about what you do now in in ministry and kind of what your heart is for that. You know, my... the Lord gave me an opportunity to have so many different experiences, whether that was, you know, as a college athlete at the Air Force Academy, flying jets in combat, playing for a Super Bowl championship team. Now I have a business. I still live in the Dallas area. Once a cowboy, always a cowboy. Yeah. I still live in the Dallas area and, and, um, and, in, and I'm in the business world and commercial real estate. But for me, my passion has always been about men, about men leading lives of integrity, of purpose, of mission. Um, which was kind of the impetus for me starting a men's ministry called Wingman over mm-hmm. 16 years ago. And it was, it was one of those things that I never intended to start a ministry, but it was out of a need that I had for fellowship, for transparent Christ-centered masculine relationships that I reached out to a friend who happened to be a pastor, as well as a seminary professor, and just asked him questions about who God was. I was going through a lot of this stuff with my son at the time. And I just, you know, who is God? What does the Bible say as to who his true nature and character is? Yeah. So with that, it began for me this journey of seeking out relationships. Because truly, when I was playing for the Cowboys, I never really had those strong male relationships where I could open up, quote unquote, the kimono and say, guys, I I don't have it together. Mm. That's one of the fallacies I think our culture places upon men is that if you don't have it together, that you not conquering everything that you put your hand to, you're a failure. Yeah. And this is where through this experience allowed me to be real with guys, to walk through life with guys where we truly form those transparent Christ-centered masculine relationships where we accept and we affirm and we hold each other accountable. And that's was the impetus for starting this ministry called Wingman. And over the years we we've grown it. Um, and, and it resonates with men because particularly in these times of COVID and isolation and fear and anxiety, uncertainty of the future, men need to be around other men that can lift them up, can affirm who they are, and can lead them down the path of discipleship. And that's, that's truly what we're all about is, is discipling men to be the men of God who God is calling them to be. You yeah. know, and if I had a... You know, summarize it in a verse. It's like 1 Corinthians 16, 13, where Paul is talking, be watchful to stand firm in the faith. Act like men, be mm-hmm. strong. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about toxic masculinity or about a feminization of the church. God made men to be masculine. Yeah. And to be leaders and to, to humbly to be servant leaders, to be servant kings. Yeah. As our good friend Ken Harrison wrote yeah. a book, Rise of the Servant King. Yeah. And that's what it's it's about is for men to step into that calling to humbly serve our wives, our kids, our community, as well as our other our friends, our our wingmen. Love it. Love it. And that's such a lie too that we 
tell ourselves is that we have to be strong at all times. You know, the Bible says to be strong, but what happens when we're weak? What happens when, you know, we're told men can't cry, men can't be vulnerable, men can't be, you know, this whole list of things. But then we feel guilty when we do feel those things and not have any outlet to share them to because we have to be strong. We have to be strong at work and for our family and for our church and all these, all these things that where do we go to, to just say that, life is terrible right now. I need someone in my, in my corner, in my, you know, in my squadron, whatever you want to call it. And that's so crucial in, in to be in accountability with other men. And whether you want to call it a small group or, you know, we have a group called a covenant group. I mean, all these things are crucial. And I've said this before too, that I didn't know that I was missing it in my life until I had it because I told myself, you know, I'm fine. I, I don't need deep relationships. I know, I know guys, you know, but once I had that core group, it's something that I never want to not have again, because I see the value in it. And that's something I try to stress too, is, is find people that you can be in relationship with. It doesn't mean you need to have 50 guys that you bare your soul to, but have a core group of guys, whether it's one, two, three, five, that you can just share what's going on and be vulnerable with. Because I guarantee when you start doing that, you see from others as well, that they're going through very similar things. Yeah. And you talk about relationships. I, looking at the Bible, just look at the relationships Jesus had. He had his three, he had his 12, and he had his 72 plus, yeah. right? right? And for men, you laid it out perfectly, Tim, and the fact that you just need a couple guys, three guys that you can get totally real with, but then you have friendships of guys that you're 12, Jesus is the 12 apostles, where, you know, he revealed a little bit more, you're a little bit tighter, but then you have your acquaintances, your 72, where you – you know, guys, you may meet at church, you may get together every now and then. Yeah. But, you know, this aspect of vulnerability is, is so crucial. The fact that, you know, I don't care who you are, you're either, you've gone through it, you're going through it, or you will go through those times of trial or turmoil. And that's where I use the analogy of what it means to be a wingman. Cause every mission that I would fly, I'd never fly solo, whether it was mm. a training mission or a combat mission. I'd always have a wingman that would go with me and they would be there to support me, to help make radio calls, to execute the mission. Uh, if something bad happened to help get me back safely, mm. that metaphor that, that works so well with walking through life. If you're isolated, if you're walking alone, you're going to get picked off. You're right where Satan wants you and yeah. he wants you to be isolated. And the thing is men, we as men, you know, I've had it. We all have a past, right? Yeah. We all have a past where we've done things that, hey, you know, we shouldn't have, whether things that have happened to us that were out of our control or we were abused as kids, physically, emotionally, sexually, whatever it might be, or things that we've done out of our own discretion. But there's that aspect of shame. Right. And anytime that Satan can keep you down where you're not willing to share that, to expose that to the light, to get that healing, he's got you right where you want, where he wants you. But that's yeah. where you have these close relationships with men where you can be totally transparent and say, guys, I messed up. I screwed up. I did this. I did that. Or, hey, I had a great victory today to kind of keep you so you don't get your head swollen, too, to keep you in line. But right. that's why God gave us one another to walk in community and relationships. And when you're on a team, too, you know, everyone has their role to play. And I think as men, we compare ourselves to each other and we get frustrated when we're not like, 
whoever we want to compare ourselves to, but we all have a role to play. You know, we might all want to be the quarterback, but we have an important role to play as the wide receiver or the tackle or whatever. And so, you know, the, the Paul talks about this as parts of the body. You know, you can't say to the eye, I don't need you. You can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And so we have to be comfortable in our identity in Christ because we're all called, you know, in the same body, but we all have a different role to play. And so, you know, like you said, your history God can use your history to speak into someone's life. So if you've dealt with something, God might call you to speak into those that are struggling with that specific thing. And God might call you to have a platform. God might call you for a time in your life when you're just trying to get through, you have a, you know, you're in a valley and you just have to kind of get through that valley until you get on that hill. And then God will move you to a new season in your life. And so what I'm trying to say is there's so many different areas that as men that we can be helpful to one another without comparing ourselves to the point where just frustration and wanting to give up. Uh, you bring up so many great points there. We are the body of Christ that it takes all of us. Yeah. You know, and I was, as a football player, it was offense, defense, special teams, practice squad. Mm. And I've played every position I played, you know, everything. And it realized that it, it takes everybody to do that. But also it's the, it's the, the humility, the humbleness to yeah. be able to say, God, how do you want to utilize me in this season of life? Yeah. You know, I've had been through those seasons of life where I've been, you know, been the man, whatever, where I'm speaking to thousands of people at a church, you know, and, and men's ministry. But you know what resonates with me more today, Tim, is that aspect, you know, we all pray to be men like King David, to be men after God's own heart, the king. Yeah. But I'm empathizing more with Jonathan. Mm. Jonathan knew that, you know, he was destined to be king. His father, Saul, was king. He was next in line. You know, he was a warrior. He was a mighty man of God. But yet he knew God that David was destined to be the king. He submitted him, humbly submitted himself to God and to David to form that friendship. Right. And to me, it's like that is the ultimate sense of humility and God, the willingness to be used by God is, God, it doesn't matter what, Lord, how can I be effective in your kingdom? Right. Speak to me. And that's, you know, I love your podcast, Everyday Discernment. That's discernment. How is yeah. God, how can I be used by you, Lord, today? Exactly. Holy Spirit, speak to me today. Is it Come a conversation? On. Is it having a, just going up and, and shaking somebody's hand, telling, hey, I thought about you, texting somebody? Yeah. You know, those simple things can have huge impact on people, particularly today as men, when we're in this sense of isolation, as we talked about fear and anxiety, somebody may need that word from you today, that discernment that you have in your spirit. Hey, I'm just going to text my buddy, Bill, and see how he's doing. Yes. I mean, that could be the difference literally between life and death for Bill at that point in time. Love it. That's so crucial. And we we take away our own significance in doing those things by thinking that I don't have a lot of influence in what whoever's life, but we all have influence one way or another. And just by doing something so simple, uh, I greeted someone at church the other day and I, you know, just a normal greeting, like I treat, greet anybody, but he messaged me later in the week. And he said, that meant so much to me just by doing that simple thing. And I thought to myself, it wasn't a big deal, but to him it was. And so that made me remember that, just those simple things, like you're saying, go a long way. And especially if you're led by the Holy Spirit, because that could be the difference between life and death. If you have someone who's struggling with depression and you show up at their door saying, I don't know why I'm here, but God told me to be here so, and I need to pray with you, you might talk someone off that ledge. And that's so crucial. 
Amen. I've, I've been, like so many others, have, have been going through Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest devotional. Yeah, love it. And, you know, for anybody that has ever done that, what a beating. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, right? literally, what a beating. Yeah. But there was a, one devotional one day to talk about, you know, this subject matter we're talking about, where he talked about we're not created for the mountaintop experience. Mm. We're not created to be in the present, you know, to have those emotional highs on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. He said, we're created so God can give them, we experience those where we have those moments of inspiration so that we can go down in the valley Mm. and slug it out. And and I'm paraphrasing, it's the day-to-day, it's the monotony of life. It's that, that's where our faith is exercised. That's where those spiritual muscles are developed. And, and I want to encourage your podcast listeners, guys, it's not about the extravagant. It's about the day-to-day and your discernment in that yeah. day-to-day is crucial. If you, and I guarantee God will speak to you. If you humbly submit yourself, you will get that discernment and you will hear God's voice to say, yeah, I need to call that guy or maybe the extravagant, whatever he's right. calling right. you to do, man, just step out in faith and do it. And fill our, you know, the Holy Spirit up inside of us so that we can then pour out on others. And so a lot of times we just want to fill up, fill up, fill up without having an outlet. And that outlet is so, so crucial for people that aren't getting that experience. And I know, you know, coming back, back from camp or things like that, it's just like, I want to live on that high as a natural thought process. But you're so, tr- you're so right in saying that is that we have to, you know, we have to go to church. We have to have our quiet time with God. We have to have times of refreshing and filling up in the presence of God, but only so that we can be used by God and share that presence with others who aren't getting that themselves. You know, so good. Amen. I, you know, to add to that, my, my wife has a great saying. It's she talks about giving out of your need. Mm. And it's so much in the fact that in regards to discipleship, you know, we all have a need that we want to be discipled, but discipleship is a two-way street. The more yeah. you're filled, the more you give away. Yes. So we are basically, we're sieves that, you know, the more that we get, the more we receive from God, yeah. it's meant not to hold on to, to hoard. It's meant to give it all away to your point. So it's give out a need. If you want a friend, you got to be a friend. Mm, good. If you want closeness with God, you know, get close with others. Right. Right. It's, it's that spiritual laws and God's economy that, that we need to get in touch with. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. Man, this is so good. I feel like we could talk for hours, but I'm going to stop us and just get get to the two questions I ask all my guests. So if you could just walk us through a time in your life when you had godly discernment and kind of walk us through what that looked like, and then we'll talk about a time you didn't have godly discernment and what that looked like. You know, a lot of it, I can talk, there's so many different examples that I, can, well, you know, one, leaving the Air Force. Mm. Um, do I leave the Air Because there was an aspect about uh, giving up on my commitment even though they had waived the commitment, but it was like giving up, but it was that aspect of God really granting me discernment that I could be utilized more in a different platform um, where I can glorify him no matter what I do. So that was where I, in essence, gained some godly you know, discernment with that. Yeah. And, I, and there's many examples over the years that were, and I'll tell you this, where I've gained discernment was where I humbly submitted to him 
but where I held it on were intuitively, I thought to your follow on question here, where I thought that, man, on paper, this deal looks awesome. <laughs> I'm going to jump all over this, you know, get it to my wife, show my wife, my wife says, honey, I don't think that's good. Oh, what do you know about me? <laughs> You're all about, you know, this is just perfect. Yeah. Well, I love sure, that. <laughs> sure enough, I get burned, right? Yeah. So it's those incidences where I humbly submitted myself. I sought godly counsel. Mm. It affirmed the discernment that I had, but where I thought it was on paper looked good. It was my own pride where I didn't submit to humbly counsel. And I thought, okay, God, I got this. Yeah. I've been burned. So many examples, many, many examples in life on both sides of that fence. Yeah. And that's good because, you know, a lot of times discernment, godly discernment doesn't look like wisdom according to the world. And, and that's what, that's what you're saying is basically that, you know, it looks good on paper by all practical measures. You know, you put the pros and the cons on, on one side and on the other, and you're like, well, the pros outweigh the cons. It's gotta be God's will. And, you know, that's wisdom in our, in our mind, but not necessarily wisdom and discernment through the leading and the prompting of God, because, there might be something in the Bible that tells us that deal is not right. Maybe it's an ethical thing. There might be something that the Holy Spirit leads us into a lack of peace about it, and we're not sure why. Or like you're saying, godly relationships are a huge source of discernment. And a lot of times in our spouse who see things that we don't often see ourselves, and they can help us you know, see those pitfalls before we get there. And so I think that's really important to understand is that you know, the right decision is not always the right decision in the eyes of the world. A lot of times God calls us on the narrow path. You know, no one wants to go in the narrow path when the wide path is is easy and everyone's on it. You know, but Jesus says, I am, you know, the narrow path leads to life and, and that's through me. And so I think too, in our decision-making, we have to, we have to keep that in mind. And so how would you describe, you know, when you've had discernment like that, you know, what, was, is it a piece about you? Is it like a confirmation by the spirit or how would you normally say that you, you move on that prompting? Yeah. You know, just one quick point. You know, yeah. I have a friend of mine that always says to not all good things are good things. Yeah. So it's just mm-hmm. because it seems like a good thing, whether it's an opportunity to serve yeah. God in a different ministry, but it may not be what God is calling you to do. Very good. But to the aspect of discernment, it was always, a, a piece Bible prayer circumstances in the church. Blackaby talks about this from hearing God's voice. You know, is it a, can be a, is it a confirmed? It doesn't make sure it doesn't conflict with scripture, you know, prayer. Okay. It gives God gives you a peace. And then many times there's a confirmation through our godly relationships through the body of Christ with that. So that's how I, you know, ultimately when I have that discernment, always multitude of counsel, make sure I back it up. Because yeah. again, you know, you may hear the Lord's words, voice, Lord's voice, but you know, like Gideon, hey, I need to throw that fleece out there occasionally. God, if this is you, <laughs> yeah. okay, I, you know, forgive me, Father, for having lack of faith, but I just want to make sure I'm hearing your voice. And God's like, you know, son, I love that you're talking to me. Here, I want to, I'll, I'll give you that confirmation. Here it mm. is. Yeah, I I've done that before too, and. and uh, you know, it's not always a great source of discernment because sometimes God just wants you to move in faithfulness to what he's called you to do. And other times he will honor it. So I always say there's no, no harm in asking, right? Amen. 
Cool. So in your book, uh, Forces of Character, you talk about stories of people who demonstrated habits of excellence. And you say excellence is a lifestyle. Talk to us about what some of the habits are regarding excellence and kind of what that means in a day-to-day. You know, I talk to a lot of corporate audiences when I speak, and I kind of define that what you do does not define who you are. We as a, I'll say as a nation and more specifically as men, we struggle with identity. Who are we? Because we keep score by how much money we make or by what your job is. Hey, I'm Chad Hanks, fighter pilot, professional athlete, whatever it is. No, that's that's not who you are. If you profess belief in Christ, you're a son of the living God. Amen. For me, actually living excellence, it doesn't matter what you do. It's your identity. Who are you? Do you have that? Because your identity is the foundation to everything you do in your life. It's the filter in which you process your thoughts, your words, and your actions through. So if you have that identity and you follow that through with integrity, you know, character, honesty, to me, that's what living excellence is about. And it's, you know, I've been able to do so many different things in my life, but I realize that my identity is in Christ. Yeah. And no matter what I do, if I do it with integrity, with character, with honesty, humility, those traits of integrity, that's what living excellence is about. And that's how God, how we serve God is through that aspect. Mm. That's good. And, you know, I've heard it said to you, your identity should not be in something that you can lose um, because what happens when you lose it, you know, what happens when you lose your job or you get that injury and you can't play sports anymore, or God forbid you lose your family. And, and these are all good things and blessings, but if our whole life and our whole worth is wrapped up in something we can lose, then devastation will, will occur. And it's not that we won't be sad when we lose those things and grieve, but at the same time, we have to understand that our identity in Christ, we can never lose, right? We, we are ch- children of the Most High King. And so we have to stand on that foundation and, all the other, and build our life upon that and build all those good things upon that foundation. But any other foundation in our life, as Jesus said, is sinking sand. Amen. So then your book, Rules of Engagement, you talk about the dangers of isolation and the importance of connection. We talked about this a little bit and how, you know, 2020 is even more of a struggle for isolation. So talk more about, you know, how to stay connected, maybe in these changing times and kind of what accountability looks like with other Christians. Because, I mean, I'll share for myself, like, you know, and I've heard this from other guys too, is that, you know, well, I'm going to meet with guys. What are we just going to do? Sing Kumbaya and, you know, share all our problems. Like that doesn't sound very fun. I mean, no guy wants to do that. Right. And so how, how do you break some of those um, negative thoughts as far as what that process looks like? You know, one of it is, is that um, we're created for relationships. First and foremost, a lot of guys ask me, how do I find a wingman or how do I find somebody? First and foremost, you got to pray, ask God. Yeah. And your willingness to take a chance too. If, if you feel like you're an older person, an older gentleman, a baby boomer that wants to mentor a millennial or mentor a Gen Z, hey, pray about it, but step out of the box or step out of your comfort zone and ask, you know, I mean, at your church or at your work, wherever you're at, hey, you want to grab a cup of coffee? And for that young guy, it's the opposite spectrum. Why would that older guy want to have anything to do with me? You know, he's he's made it. He's done everything. Why would he want to take time? For Again, there's that void, that gulf, that separation, that fear between the two. And it's for that younger guy to ask that guy, hey, would you have would you have time to take you know an hour of a week or whatever just to meet? Please, you know, so I can ask questions. Um, 
But then once you do it, you know, kind of structure and to realize that when you gather together two or three, four, five, 10, 12, whatever, shouldn't be any more than that, have some structure and commit to meeting for a period of time. You, yeah. There are seasons of life. You don't have to, you're not committing for perpetuity to meet for the rest of your life once a week or once a month or whatever. Just say, hey guys, let's let's get together for, let's commit for six months. We're going to meet once a week. Here's a, and there's many resources that I can recommend. And But here's a resource. Let's just kind of go through this and just feel our way through it. Because it takes time for guys to warm up. You can't just day one, get out there. And bleh, <laughs> yeah. Here's all my issues. Bleh, that, right. that's, that ain't happening. Right. But, but over time, we develop that trust. And I call it, it's the Vegas principle. What's said here stays here. Right. You have that accountability. And then you get, a, I guarantee you, any man that's listening to this, that if you commit to that, to what you said earlier, that you have that group, your accountability group of guys that you get to get, you would never want to miss it a day in your life. And I hear these stories all the time from guys that once they experience that, that freedom and that vulnerability and that trust, yeah, they're, they're there for a lifetime. But yeah. you don't, I mean, for those guys, recommend, you know, be willing to be vulnerable to the point, step out of your comfort zone, ask somebody to meet. And if you got a group of guys that you're comfortable with, Hey, we're just going to you know, set, we're going to meet for the next few months. It doesn't have to be forever, but let's, let's give this a try yeah. and walk it through. That's how I recommend going about doing mm. it. That's really good. And you know, same applies to women. Women need the same thing, but it's oftentimes a lot easier for them. Like my wife just forms these groups with these these women and they talk and they have these prayer meetings and they have these group texts. And I mean, they have all these things. And a lot of times she has to remind me when I'm meeting with uh, my group, you know, it's like, aren't you guys meeting on Monday? It's like, Oh yeah, I guess we are. And so I have to send out a text to them. And, you know, it's just, I think a guy thing, but you know, it is, it is very important. And I think what really struck me with what you were saying is if you want vulnerability, which we may not always want it, but we come to a point, we realize we need it to, to get vulnerability you have to be vulnerable. And so a lot of times that means you ask, like you're saying, ask someone, will you mentor me? Will you listen? Will, can we meet? And the worst they can say is no. And like you said, it may be for a season. Maybe you'll meet with someone, one of you will move or move on with something. And you take those practices and those, that wisdom and you apply it to someone else. You know, our group has been cyclical. We've moved people in and out. People have moved on. We've had new people in. It's a great chance to have a group and invite people in that need it. And, you know, you're not always going to mesh with everybody. You might meet once and say, maybe this won't work out. Maybe we need to find someone else that we're compatible with. I mean, there's a lot of variables with that, but I think the main thing is, is getting out of your comfort zone, asking and finding a group that will work and a schedule that will work because, you know, there's nothing that either one of us can say, well, you got to meet on this day. You got to meet for two hours. You got to ask these questions. I mean, those are all things as a template, you can look at what other people are doing, but you have to come up with something that is going to be reasonable. You know, I think it's too much to meet once a week. Personally, there's groups that do it. We meet once a month in my group and, you know, we text throughout the week and we have a messenger and stuff as well. But, you know, if you're in a group that can meet, you know, twice a week, I mean, more power to you. There's no like wrong way to do it really, as long as you're doing it and getting vulnerable and getting accountable in the, in the desire that you can grow in your walk with God and you can get some of the stuff out of your life that you're kind of hiding that no one else sees. Amen. And, 
and I'd just like to add this, that a lot of guys, you know, all oh, that's not for me, man. That's, that seems, you know, hoity-toity that this vulnerability stuff is for the birds. But I'll tell you this, I've done a lot, you know, being a veteran and in the warrior community, I don't care if they're special operators, you know, Navy SEALs, Rangers, Air Force fighter pilots, Navy fighter pilots, whatever, you're part of a group and you're yeah. part of a, a fraternity. And they talk about post-traumatic stress where guys come back from war to deal with their issues of seeing the horror of war and relationships where, you know, they've had something significant happen to them or, you know, their brothers in arms. The number one form of modality of, of, of treatment or of, of processing this is bonding communication of being able to get around guys who can empathize, not necessarily cure or fix, but just being able to share openly with others. So I'll say to anybody that pushes back on this concept of vulnerability, man, it is the number one treatment for our warriors that are in real life physical combat is to, this is what they do. So if they can do it, you know, for those of us who are in spiritual warfare, Mm, same yes. concept applies it translates across the board we all need that to process through life two is one and one is none yes i thought the same thing with spiritual warfare because you know you know same military concepts apply in our walk you know we can't be lazy we can't ignore that the battle's happening because if you ignore the battle's happening you're going to be a casualty of war you have to be engaged you have to put on the armor of god you have to find that band of brothers that you can go to war with that you can pray with that you can have pray for you because otherwise Satan will pick off those that are just kind of like, you know, like a lion picks off the the stragglers in the herd, you know, they won't attack the herd full on, but they will pick up the stragglers that are kind of wandering off or that are limp and lame that aren't getting guarded by the rest of the pack. And that's such an important thing because, you know, Satan is a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Yep. Awesome. So I want to talk about platforms real quick. So you talk a lot to sports and business leaders and, you know, apply different concepts to how they can glorify God and, and use their platform to glorify God. Uh, so talk about how we do that and, and what that looks like and how not to let the platform influence you. I talked, you know, everybody, we all have different skill sets. God blessed us again with the body of Christ with different Strengths, different weaknesses, different access, relationships, etc. You know, I talk about bloom where you're planted. Where has God placed you? What sphere of influence has he given you? And, you know, we all pray that God, use me in the, again, that mountaintop experience. Use me in, in the greatest magnitude and magnanimity as you can. I just want to do all this. But in, relate, in reality, maybe in a season, he wants you just to talk to one person. Mm. You know, wherever you're plugged in. So, that access, bloom where you're planted. Where is God calling you? What is he, what position through your job, through your community, through your neighborhood has he given you the opportunity, to, again, to exercise that discernment on where you can plug in and who you need to talk to and who you can share Christ's life with? And again, it's some days he may have you one-on-one -on -one, and the other days, man, he wants you to be preaching on a street's corner to um, going overseas to speaking in front of your church. I don't know. And yeah. you don't know. But yeah. the thing is, God, it's it's kind of like, I talk about character is kinetic. It's like a muscle. If you don't use it, you lose it, right? Yep. And the same thing regarding our faith and our accent. God may give you an opportunity. And if you prove faithful in the little thing, 
man, he's going to give you greater and greater and greater responsibilities and opportunities to serve him. And if you mess up, hey, there's grace. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off and say, God, I'm, I'm sorry I missed this one. Keep using me, Lord. And, yeah. and that's the attitude we need to have going forward in our lives as, as Christians. Yeah. And often we chase the platform thinking that will bring fulfillment, you know, and, and you, you've seen that in sports, right? You're in high school. You want to be in college. You're in college. You want to be in NFL. You're in the NFL. You want to be in the championship game. And it's the same thing in the Christian life. You know, we think that, well, once I have this correct job for me, once I find my identity in my job, once I serve in this capacity, once I have this many followers on Instagram, I mean, whatever platform we want to put ourselves in is often the goal instead of the goal, like you're saying, is being faithful where God has planted you to bloom where you're planted to say, God, where do you want to use me today? And God honors that faithfulness. God doesn't, you know, it's not a, you know, invest and you're going to get back it's not, we don't give to get, but we give out of the abundance of the overflow in us, like we were talking about. And out of that, God will bless that and multiply that, not just in a financial way, you know, sometimes it is, but in, in the blessings that we get to have by living a fruitful life for the kingdom. You know, that's God's economy is not the world's economy. Yeah. God's economy is like what we talked about that Oswald Chambers example. It's not the magnitude, the, but the ROI for God, return on your investment. Yeah. It's maybe that one relationship, that one, the mundane thing. God's economy is, did you reach out and text that gentleman that I wanted you to text to tell him, hey, I'm praying for you and thinking about you? Right. You know, and it's not going to be the mega church pastor that preaches every Sunday. It may be that little uh, widowed woman that gives the three minas that, as Christ said, she's doing more for the kingdom than that extravagant individual that's a million dollar check to the church. Mm. That's so good. And yeah, the, the struggle for us is that we don't want to be pushed out of our comfort zone when it comes to giving. And I think it's not just money. It's giving of our time, giving of our talents. Like you're saying, the talents that you have in the platform you have combined together can be used for the kingdom. And yet one of the biggest struggles churches have is getting volunteers for things. 20% of the people in the church do 80% of the work, you know, and that's something that I think we all have to look inside and say, why, what, what does God want me to do first of all? And then look for those opportunities and those open doors to serve because, you know, we're not just doing it for notoriety or to get recognized or to have the pastor see us, you know, well, is the pastor going to be at the event? Cause then I want to go, you know, we have to check our heart when it comes to that we, and do all things unto the glory of God. And the Bible talks about that to be faithful where you're at in the, in the job that you're at work as unto the Lord. And I think no matter if you're a stay at home mom, if you're, you know, struggling with a job you don't like, if you're maybe even in, in a church you don't like, but God's not calling you to leave yet there's a reason that he still wants you there. And that's to, to maybe be a light, maybe to, to, to serve, maybe to be the change that you want to see in the world is a common phrase. And I think that applies to Christians as well. Amen to that. Cool. Well, as we wrap up our time, just uh, tell us more about wingmen. And I know you've talked about it, but if someone wants to connect with that ministry and, and what kinds of things that you offer for the men, you can go to wingmen.org. Um, you know, follow us at Wingman Ministries on Facebook, uh, Instagram, the whole nine yards. But what we're about is discipleship. And we're about being able to support and facilitate small group ministry of guys where if you have a group of friends that you went to get together with that 
We provide training. We provide access. We provide content and kind of a forum to be a part of something greater than just your group of guys where we come together from all groups all over the country, whether that be through a once a month Zoom meeting, just to talk with other leaders, to share ideas and to highlight. But what we want to be about is, is encouraging men to be those husbands, to be the fathers, to be the friends, to be disciple makers, execute mm. that great commission that Christ talks about. Yeah. That challenged us, that commanded us to do. That's what it's about. And we partner with the church. We don't, we're not a church. We don't compete with the church. We support the church in that regards, because I know pastors are so overwhelmed uh, and underfunded that this is an opportunity that their guys can gather together and we essentially can provide them with resources and vision and focus and community. That's great. Guys all over the country. Love it. And I guarantee there's people listening to this that are not in a group. And I want to challenge the men listening, especially that if you're listening to this and you think I need to be in a group, well, maybe you need to be the one to start one. And there's resources available. There's support available as you've heard. And so just step out in faith, invite people into your group, maybe even people that you don't know that you're just going to put feelers out there and say, who wants to join? And maybe God's going to bring the right people to your group. So just act out in faith on that. Send me a message if you have and and the the fruit of it. And I would love to hear it. So this is your challenge for anyone listening to start that. I'm going to put the information on wingmen in the, in the show notes. And I want to thank you for coming on, Chad. Where can people connect with you besides uh, wingmen? They can reach out to me, you know, through wingmen, through our notes, or I'll just throw out my personal emails, chad at chadhennings.com. Awesome. Love it. Well, thanks for coming on. God bless you, your family and your ministry. Thanks, Tim. Take care. Well, that's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for being with me. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave me a five-star review on your platform of choice. Definitely Apple is preferred. Also, share this with a friend. If you shared this to just one person, and if everyone did that, it would definitely get the word out much more than me just paying for a Facebook or Instagram ad. And I would definitely appreciate your help with that. And for next week, I have Jason Sautel on the show. He's a former firefighter in one of the toughest firehouses in the country. And his book, The Rescuer, is available now. And he tells a powerful story of redemption and rescue through Jesus Christ. So until then, go with God, grow in discernment, and keep your eyes on Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. For more information on Discerning Dad, go to discerning-dad.com. Be sure to follow on all the social media platforms. Just search for Discerning Dad. Please share this podcast with a friend and leave an honest review on whichever platform you listen. Feel free to send any comments, suggestions, questions, or prayer requests at discerningdad at outlook.com. Until next time. Keep fighting the good fight.